Hi, I'm Sean Sunday, and this is No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Each week, we talk about a new comic that we've both read and loved with a new guest. So sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. So, with me today is John Odina, who is, as I said a minute ago before the stream balked out, a man of many hats and many talents. Yeah, hello. Um, would you like me to go through my, yeah, int- int- my let- mini-list? <laughs> tell everyone uh, about what you, who you are and what you do a little bit again, because for some reason we lost that. Sure. Um, so it's only going to take 30 to 45 minutes to get through this, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> now, my, uh, as a copywriter, which is one of my 50 roles, uh, I could do nice little bullet points. So uh, my name is Jono. I am a Flint, Michigan-based, uh, doing-too-much-human-being. I was most known from being the drummer of the band The Swellers. Uh, I've also been in the band's Baggage, Braided Veins. I'm currently in the band No Trigger. Um, I am a comic writer. I've put out stuff in anthologies, most recently The Inevitables, which is going to be physically out soon. Um, I am a digital marketer. I'm a creative director for a cool company called Karma Jack that's based in Detroit. And I am the co-owner of Rootless Coffee, which is high-end coffee. And we use comic artists to do really exciting, interesting bags and encourage people to break free from boring. I love the sound of that, and I've loved everything I've been seeing from Rootless since you launched. I just wish that uh, Australia wasn't so far away. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the furthest place on the planet from us, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's incredibly difficult to get almost anything to Australia. Um, last year, Frankie White sent me a copy of Broken Bear. That cost him 50 US dollars. Really? Mm-hmm. Whoa. That was like 80 Australian bucks. Well, it's bizarre because uh, I, I've been explaining even that... now during... Was that during COVID or was that pre? Um, that was pre. Okay, yeah. So, like, everything has been changing on a near monthly basis, it seems. Um, so I was just talking to Vinny from The Inevitables and, like, Lester Jake and all that stuff. Not to name drop, but because the project is the Inevitables, uh, he was just telling me that the comics are—they were held up because of Brexit and because of COVID, and they're sitting at a post office somewhere in Miami. So, like, it's been happening everywhere now. So now prices are going even higher up. It's taking even longer to get stuff. Um, and I was explaining that we sent a bag of coffee uh, across Michigan, and it took three weeks, and I could have driven it to the person in one hour. Meanwhile, we sent stuff to Hawaii from Michigan, and it made it there in three days. So everything is just absolutely bonkers right now. You can't really predict it at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a lot. Um, just at the start of COVID, I had one of my Kickstarter awards from the year before shipped, and it took five months to get here. Jeez. It, it actually only took like, ten days. shipping itself? Okay. 
but it sat in New York airport for five months. What do they do? <laughs> I think they just like, there's one person that hoards all the mail. Like, uh, well, it turns out, it. <laughs> it turns out that the way it works is it's all brought on passenger planes in the cargo hold. And so obviously because COVID, there aren't a lot of passenger planes. Yeah. So are they literally just divvying it up to the five that go out? <laughs> Pretty much. It's like the highest priority stuff gets on the planes first. So things like books and stuff get to sit there for who knows how long until um, they ship out. That's awful. But, you know, the, the trade-off, though, is uh, in Australia, you just have to deal with happiness and sunshine all the time. So, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the sunshine doesn't always bring happiness. Though. Like, where I live is the Florida of Australia. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's 84 degrees Fahrenheit today and 60% humidity. I mean, to be fair, it's... Uh below freezing here so <laughs> we'll see I, don't worry about that <laughs> in this room that would be great i've got a small little room here a space heater and a jumper and i'm good to go yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh wait so where uh what city are you in brisbane oh okay awesome yeah yeah so i'm up in queensland and yeah it's this is a cold day for a queensland summer yeah we uh i think we were there with idle threat was it two years ago now or something like that? And uh, yeah, it's a little little toasty. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my Michigan blood was boiling. <laughs> yeah, I'm still sore from the time I missed out on Less Than Jake. Oh yeah, <laughs> when was that? Oh, it was a few years back now. But I was watching and watching and watching and waiting for payday, and then I logged on and sold out overnight. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Every all of those major bands that were part of the Inevitables project are some of my favorites from my teenage years. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and I've missed almost all of them here. Well, the good news is everyone is right now because there are no shows. <laughs> it, it even the playing field for everybody. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> Where am I picking up my own audio from? I don't think the stream is picking it up, but I can hear myself. Are we not going through the, the stream? No, we're going through the stream. Yeah, anyway, it's not going to the stream, so the extra, the secondary audio, so. I will, uh, I'll figure that out later. That's a weird thing that's happening. I hear a cool fan in the background. Yeah, it's uh, kind of hard to uh, get rid of that. But if uh, on the kind of sweating to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's been really difficult trying to uh, sort out the audio issues with the fan sound as well without dying. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I don't think you need to. My my whole thing is just stay comfortable. Yeah, I slept in this. I'm wearing it still. No, it's exactly. all good. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, my audience knows as well. They'd rather me be uh, healthy and not dying of heat stroke than worry about a little fan noise. Yeah. 
It's, it's like pleasant white noise. Yeah. But yeah, so today we are talking about East of West, which is a really cool comic. Um, if you haven't checked out any of Jono's work, let's just do this and drop Jono's link in the chat. And this and drop today's comic in the chat. I love it when I remember to set up those commands before the show starts and I don't have to go looking for links. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? I'm going to open the thing too and then hope I mute it enough. Yeah, I did it the right way. <laughs> I like... I, ooh! Whoa! Okay, that's cool. My favorite thing is I'll watch it when I'm lagged on there because I know it's like that's how streaming works. Yeah. And then I'll forget that I'm actually on the thing and I'll be like, and whoever's the host is like, you good? I'm like, yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know how that is. That actually happens to me sometimes when I'm uh, on D&D streams because um, as uh, most people in the chat will know, I have ADHD, pretty hardcore ADHD. And I'll be trying to make sure that I'm not missing anything important in the show while I'm also playing in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is also, I guess, that's a social media manager. That's your role, you know? Yeah. You can't turn it off. <laughs> no, exactly. You, ca you can't stop it. And yeah, sometimes it's like answering questions in the chat. Like, what do you think, Sean? Oh shit, I'm supposed to be rolling dice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, today we're talking about East of West, which is a really great comic. Um, it is a really interesting sci-fi, not exactly post-apocalypse, but alternate future sort of story. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd say, like, dystopian... Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, no, you pretty much said exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh it is it's quite interesting. Um, like alternate on. reality, I think that's what I'm thinking. Let me just switch to the double page spread for a second. So this is the the, the interior page with the credits. It's written by Jonathan Hickman, who does great work. Um, Nick Dragotta's art is really cool as well. I can't think what else I've seen Nick's work in off the top of my head right now. But I know that I've enjoyed it in other things as well. But in this particular setting, it's it's exactly what they needed. Um, Frank. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Nick does a really good job of capturing tension and, like, really terse action. Uh, and obviously, uh, is it Russ or Roos Wooten? <laughs> I've, I've got to keep looking up people's names before coming on the show because being in Australia... I don't see any of these people at conventions and most of the media coverage for them doesn't happen here. So I've never heard most of these names out loud.
Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, there's been a few cases where I've looked people's names up online and looked up, like, those audio translation things that tell you how to pronounce certain names. Um, oh, and we've got Frank Martin on the colours here, too, and Frank's colours in this book are fantastic. Alright, let's go back to the normal frame. Here we go. This is a really great opening shot, actually. I really like this as sort of establishing the environment that we're brought into for the world. Oh, hang on. By the way, sorry for, I was going to say, sorry for my pauses. I, I've been watching the stream and being like, whoa, and then I'm doing <laughs> the thing I talked about. But yeah, I also have it in my hand right now. <laughs> So I'll, I'll read as we read together. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a really great establishing shot. I love what they've done with the texture of the night sky behind these monoliths. And you can see that, you know, it's a, it's a barren landscape, but there's some high-tech stuff in the background there. And it just really sort of sets what kind of world we're living in. Like, the technology that they're capable of uh, and that sort of thing. It's really good wordless establishing of the environment, I think. And they did a, a really great job too of there's similar to Saga. It's like the fantasy sci-fi thing. Yeah. But like fantasy, not like Star Wars fantasy, but fantasy in the sense of like hard fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Sorry. love the way they've colored this second set with like the the energy blasts and stuff. Yeah, just brilliant rendering on all of this sort of thing and all the energy weapons and and stuff like that throughout the entire series. And everything, uh, I just like that right off the bat because the very very first thing you see is just. The dream is over. And then you see that and you're like, oh. Because when I was going into this, no one gave me a heads up about what this was about. They just went, yeah, read it. It's going to be good. Yeah, I, like, same. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I just saw some promo art and I'm like, ooh, sci-fi Western. Yeah, exactly. And then it's even weirder than you think when you get to the third page. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about this bit. <laughs> But, like, what a way to establish, like, look how vast this world is. You don't need to know what's going on, but you're gonna. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything is just so, like, brutal and beautiful. And, like, I, I think the whole... Oh, hang on one second, Jono. I figured out what the the issue that people are talking about in the chat is. And I'm going to fix it right now. For some reason... 
your audio doesn't show up on there. Okay, let's try that again. Try saying something for me real quick. Hello. This is a podcast and or stream. That looks check, good. Check, check, check. That looks good on my end. How does the chat feel about that? Is audio back? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Wait. I'm not sure why that did that, but that's okay. Now we can see. No, no, it's just um, an audio source hadn't shown up on the other uh, scenes. And now I'm making sure that those are all there. We're good to go. Cool. Awesome. On the, the close-up scenes, the um, it wasn't showing properly. I think that's the, the beauty of making it look amazing. <laughs> then out of nowhere, you're like, oh, there's a hundred variables per, per yeah. little thing I do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I just switched to some of the close-ups so we can see the detail in the art here. Um, especially in this scene where War is coming out of the ground and ripping this weird umbilical cord thing out of his chest. <laughs> and I love that it's uh, kind of that like body horror. Just <laughs> they're like, how many different genres can we mix into one thing as soon as we can, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, as the chat's saying, like, it's a hell of a way to introduce a character. <laughs> and then, you know, we get this, this really good shot of all th three of the horsemen. Which, again, I love so much, too, because it's like, <laughs> here's this weird <laughs> rebirth. You don't think they're supposed to look like this. This is what you get. <laughs> yeah. And, and then again, this an, another brilliant uh, nighttime scene. And I love these panels as well with like the quotes that that divide like every scene sort of thing. They're like a like a scene oh, yeah. transition. It oh. also felt like I kept oh. thinking like, did I? Yeah. Here's the double page. I had to show this double page spread with um, the silhouette of death. That's so nicely done. The yeah, the art is just incredible in this book, and like the the lettering that Russ has done looks exactly how it should for the setting. Yeah, and one thing I love too, um, my my friend DC was posting about like discourse when it comes to letterers, and some people are like, oh, like some people say you should notice it all, and some people say, oh, you should absolutely, it should like stick out and be its own thing. But I feel like adapting to whatever works is, yep, that's the move you exactly, know? Like, uh, and that's kind of what know? I have the discussion with everyone every time is that like as far as I feel for my immersion in the story is that good lettering on my first pass I don't notice it at all because it blends so seamlessly with the story that you're you're reading 
but every mm. time I go back and reread it, immediately I can see what they've done and why I like it. Yeah, like they're, they're guiding your eyes in the right way exactly. without, you know, impeding the experience. Yeah, uh, and enhancing it at, at in some points, but not in a way that you immediately go, oh, wow, that lettering is so immediately noticeable on the page. You know, <laughs> I, that's what I feel like it should all be like the lettering is a part of the artwork, which is a part of the story. If one of those elements sticks out more than the other, you haven't achieved a balance within the story that you're trying to tell. Well, it's like adding a guy that does guitar solos in a jazz band. <laughs> where Ex you're like, like, turn down a little bit, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, but bad lettering will immediately be noticeable. It will pull you out of a story. Yeah, I've, and, you know, as we've both talked about, we have sometimes trouble paying attention to things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so to a, a strange thing for me, I, I've been reading more digital lately because if I'm sitting in a room like I am now, like when the sun's gone, then it's this one stupid light above me, which is already unflattering to begin with. But if I'm reading a book or whatever and the light isn't absolutely perfect, I have such a hard time concentrating. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just adjusting and trying to find the light and doing all this other stuff. So it's kind of the same thing where it's like, I don't want anything to make it harder for me. Yeah. Um, and there were, I'd say like, fortunately only like a few comics that I've read period where I had to just stop reading. I, I was like, I don't have to do this because I know I can't hang with it. Um, but then uh, one, and I, I forgot the letterer's name and I feel awful, but um, the, have you read November by Matt Fraction? I don't think I have. So, uh, the, and again, I don't have it in front of me. Normally I'm crediting everyone that's involved, but, uh, the lettering in that is so unique. It's like, almost like, like this harsh cursive, but it fits the vibe of the story. Cause it's really gritty and strange. And that was the first time where at first I'm like, I don't know. And then a few words in, I'm like, I love this because I feel like I'm reading this specifically. And if you could pull that off, you totally won um, yeah and not many people can <laughs> no I, I know exactly what you mean uh, there's there's a lot of fraction stuff that i've read and love but i don't think i've read that one it kind of like snuck up out of nowhere um so i went to heroes con last year or whenever that was now um and i remember he was there and i was super excited because like my pretty much his Hawkeye run is what made me go, oh, I could do this. And not like that it's easy, but like there's someone as weird as me that can actually get yeah. away with getting this stuff done. Uh, Cause that's just how my brain's operating at, you know, yeah, all cylinders all the time. Um, no, I, and... I know exactly what you mean with that too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went to his uh, table and he wasn't there, but he just had like printed out stacks of paper. One of them was November one of them was Jimmy Olsen. And there was like like three of his books that weren't physically finished yet. And he's like, Imagine and then there's a note that says, I printed these off so you can read them. Just don't steal these. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his table. And I'm like, I love that he doesn't care. He'll show up if he needs to sign something, but like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So that all just goes into that like interesting 
idea of what he's doing, which just, I don't care about the things that don't matter, but I care about the things that do. Yeah. And that's no. like, you know, super admirable when it comes to comics. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think I've actually got an episode coming up real soon on a Fraction book. Um, I can't remember who it is, oh, but I remember someone decided we're going to talk about sex criminals. Oh, hell yeah. So that's going to be an interesting one because I'm going to have to like make note of page numbers for uh, Twitch terms <laughs> terms and services. <laughs> not not do the not safe for work covers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And just make sure that uh, every explicit page I can just uh, move past that one. <laughs> like I'm going to describe it in graphic detail. There's a man laying down. He has no pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new podcast right there, if you're wondering. Just narrating sex criminals. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was, like, it was the same thing. I did, um... What did I... No, I was going to do Money Shot last year. I don't think I ended up doing that episode yet. Um, I had to reschedule. And I was like, mm -hmm. another one that I'm going to have to make note of every third page or so that has explicit content on it. Yeah, I was gonna say that um, that whole comic is that. <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't read it, but I've uh, like I've been following all of the things about it, and I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a great book, but yeah, it's one that I'm gonna have to be very careful about showing on on stream. <laughs> um, but or just get like a nice get a um, like an app that does pixelation really well, and you'll be fine. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but to, to give everyone a bit more context for this world, um, it's set in a world where the, the Civil War didn't end. So the alternate timeline is that the Civil War never ended and it just kept going until uh, a comet hit Kansas uh, in 1908. So, yeah, 1908, boom. Another meteor event sort of thing happened. And so then the, the, the different warring groups came together and made a truce. And instead of having the 52 states, United States of America, we have the seven nations of America. Uh, and this is sort of what's being introduced here on this page. Is we've got uh, the, the Armistice, the Union, the Confederacy, the Kingdom of New Orleans, the Endless Nation the Republic of Texas, and the People's Republic of America. I hope that it's not that far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, right? Jesus. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, you know, aside from, like, the low-hanging fruit of the Texas stuff, uh, like, New Orleans is one of... It may be, like, one of the most interesting places in the world, because the second you show up there, you feel like you're... It's not even like a different country. It's like a different time. Yeah. Um, and I remember like the first thing that happened, because obviously they, they know when tourists are coming in and their whole thing is like, let's market when we're weird. But I was, uh, we were going there and it was also the Super Bowl and it was also Mardi Gras. And we were playing a show at like uh, the House of Blues or something. And I was so confused because I was like walking, texting and someone's like, hey, hey, get off your phone, and, like, ran up to me wearing, like, a police uniform-looking thing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. And then I'm like, what? And then I got, like, a ticket, and I looked at it and said, welcome to New Orleans. 
and then it said texting and not paying attention. And and then it was like a whole like, you need to be witnessing all the cool stuff in New Orleans. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was actually getting arrested for this. I'm like, okay. But like that, that sets the vibe of like the, I'm assuming a major reason that those are the d- divided areas or whatever. Yeah. Because it's pretty close to the truth. Like everything feels like that already, even though the civil war ended with heavy quotes. Um, but yeah, you, you got like your, your factions in the U S yeah. I, I sort of got that impression, especially when it comes to like sports or pizza. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and that's like on the other side of a bridge, it'll be people arguing about like, no, this is better. No, this. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen like some of the wars over who's got the better hot dogs, burgers, or pizza, on social media, and I'm just like, is it that different? <laughs> that's a. I mean, even in Michigan, that's like a whole thing. <laughs> um. Like, uh, so we have in Flint. There's Flint Coney dogs, but then there's Detroit style ones, and then. There's Detroit style pizza, which is different from Chicago pizza, which is That's different from. That's the argument that I saw yesterday. People arguing about uh, Chicago deep dish and versus Detroit deep dish and Chicago tavern style pizza. And I was like, I don't know what any of this means. But you know what? It's great for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just watching like a bunch of comics creators that I, I follow all have this discussion about what pizza is better and what pizza they're going to eat when cons are back on. And I was like... Was uh, one of them Matt Rosenberg? I think it was, actually. I think it was like yeah, Matt... Yeah, because that sounds about right. Yeah, I think it was Matt Rosenberg, Frankie was in on it, and somebody else. <laughs> That's like my... I think my favorite part about comics is... I'm the eavesdropper all the time, which is also, I just have a Twitter addiction, so I'm constantly looking at everything. But I love, like, injecting myself into conversations that I'm like, I'm going to say a stupid thing. I have to, because it's in my brain. It's the only way to live. (laughs) But, like, I I feel like there's, like, a a few people that are similar to me in comics where I'm like, these are my people. This is good. (laughs) Yep. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's one of the. I think that's one of the reasons that Frankie and I get along so well. We've both got a real interesting take on comics, and it's just like that. I really enjoyed working on um, Frankie's book, Stylist Daydream, which I'm going to drop a link to in the comments right. right now for anyone who didn't get in on the Kickstarter. You can get the hardcover on Frankie's Gumroad now, and that's my first published comics work. So. Go get it. <laughs> Woo! First, but definitely not last. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, just really interesting seeing some of the things that... Also, like, American comics Twitter is very different to Australian comics Twitter. How so? It's hard to describe, but it's just like there's such intensely localized discussion in American comics Twitter I'll see so many things being talked about and I've got I have no idea what any of this means you may as well be speaking another (laughs) language which I mean to be fair some people kind of (laughs) do yeah yeah and and that's it like that's actually one of the reasons why I 
read so much of this indie stuff as well because I have to try to find stories that are set in nebulous location because so much of superhero comics and even a lot of indie comics is just so specific like, to America I'm reading it and I'm like I have no idea what this experience is Mm-hmm. We don't have but that. There's, so I had that thought the other day where, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I was talking about bodegas and my all of my education on what a bodega even is, is from superhero stuff. So like Spider-Man <laughs> going down the street, like getting a sandwich and there's yep. a bodega cat and whatever. Um, and then in like Michigan, everything is so spaced out. Uh and then I'm like, man, people are probably like, Michigan's so boring in comparison. And then people are like, Detroit, that's where Eminem was. And like the the venue from Eight Miles where we used to play all the time. And then people would like touring bands would make that joke every time. And we're like, yeah, we get it. We're from here. So it's like everyone has a different version of that. You know, it's always yeah. passed around. But like, I I don't know if you ever felt this way, but I almost like fantasize about going to those places even if it's like a very normal experience, but I'm like, I've read about this. This is cool. Yeah, no, that's it. Sometimes uh, I'll, I'll read stuff and I'll be like, okay, so one day I hope to go to here just so I know what the deal is. Yeah. <laughs> and is it even worth talking about or is it literally all you know and that's why you did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's it. There's so many things that are like uniquely US experiences in comics that just fly over my head because we just don't have it here yeah like are there any australian specific uh like comics that you could think about like or or no like whether it's from creators or people from there not really like even australian creators are often writing stories either set in nowhere that really exists or they're working for American publishers. Mm -hmm. So they're still writing American stories. Yeah. There are not a lot and... of stories that are set in Australia. Well, hear me out. You were like, I wish I had another published work. Well, guess what? That's your homework assignment. <laughs> well, I am actually working on an anthology at the moment that doesn't have a set location yet. It just has a set aesthetic and time period. So, I was thinking that maybe I could set it here. But, I mean, there's not that much stuff that's that interesting about Australia to set a comic specifically here for that reason. But it's just, like, something in recent years, since, especially since I've started analysing comics more, that I've really taken a notice of. Is like, there is almost no content I can relate to in this because we don't have those experiences here. And I, I genuinely wonder if, because of course, like Marvel specifically, like New York, it's like, this is relatable. This is the big city, blah, blah, blah. But there are so many people like in the U.S. specifically that like always fantasize about having ever gone to that place. Like, wow, like that's a dream to me. I, one day I want to do that, whatever, you know? like me being like suburb kid my whole life. And then when mm -hmm. I started touring, I started seeing these places. But what I find interesting as a reader is seeing 
seeing people live their normal lives where they're from mm-hmm. in stories um, without having to explain every little part of it. So, yeah. like, because, um, and sometimes it is hard. So let's say, like, there's, like, if, if there's a difficult name in, like, a fantasy story or if there's, like, a country where I don't speak the language and they're referencing things that I would have to research, my dumb American brain goes, ah, just skim past it. That's not relevant to the story. But knowing that stuff really does, it pulls on your heartstrings, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so I feel like there's this healthy dose of, like, explaining culturally what the area is, what's going on, without leaving people in the dust, but without just being a manual, having to, well, actually, this is this because this. Like, for example, like, I have a ton of Spanish-speaking friends, and sometimes I'll be watching movies, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, hermano, my brother, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why would they, as characters to each other, have to say both? Like, is that a thing? And I had to talk to my friends about that. And, like, you know, sometimes it is, but it's also like, hey, America, understand this. This is the only way you'll pay attention if we, like, spoon feed it to you, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, anyway, with all that being said, I feel like, to me, like, I have a lot of Michigan-based, like, stuff. Um, But more so because it's, like, hyper specific in a way where I haven't seen it in other places. And that's what makes it unique to me at least. Uh, So I feel like in your case, that's a really cool thing you can do too, where it's like something specific to you because you're telling your story without you necessarily being in it. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's going to be really interesting doing that with the Australian experience too, because there'd be, um, really interesting um, things like you know, explaining what a bunning snag is. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... Because I don't know what that is. <laughs> exactly. But it's an everyday experience for Australians. You say bunning snag to an Australian and they know immediately that we're talking about going to the major hardware store, which is Bunnings, and grabbing a mm-hmm. sausage from the sausage sizzle stall out the front. That's a, usually raising gotcha. money for some kind of a charity. <laughs> that sounds like our version of like Seven Eleven and the the hot dogs on the rollers or something. <laughs> well, see, we got Seven Elevens out the wazoo as well. Like, there's a place, there's there's a spot in Brisbane, where there are four or five Seven Elevens within a block of each other. Yep. <laughs> It, it's like one of the biggest uh, chains because, like, people are always like, "Well, McDonald's," but it's Subway. That's like the number one all over the world. And then I remember uh, we were in Hong Kong, and we we're like, I was so excited because I'm like, "Oh wow, I'm gonna get like the Chinese experience." I've like always dreamed of this, but Hong Kong's its own different world. And then also where we were was just a city center, and it was a Seven Eleven every five feet. <laughs> we're like. This isn't like this deep culture we were hearing about. We're just kind of like another band at a venue by a gas station where we're gonna get snacks, you know? Yeah, exactly. Then that's that's exactly it. And then we, you know, we've got the democracy sausage. Tell me more. <laughs> well, voting is mandatory in Australia. Oh, that's good. So you go and vote. And there's like three or four different stands, stalls also selling sausage sandwiches. 
So you go and vote and you get a sausage. See, if we did that, everyone would vote. Australians well, have been saying this for decades. <laughs> I that... love that. So I, and I, I've been, I don't know how many times I've even been to Australia at this point, but I've never heard voting sausage and I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just because it's just a thing that happens, you know? It's just there. You go vote and then you just wander over, grab a $2 sausage sandwich and off you trot. <laughs> and then ours is, you know what? Let's make it harder to vote so then people that we don't like don't show up. Mm. And then that's kind of what happens. And then you also have to vote at like churches and stuff. So there's like a lot of stranger overlap happening in our country. But, you know, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, but like all of that stuff is one of the reasons why I liked this story because yes it is set in america but it's not an america that actually exists so none of the experiences that are unique to this world are actually unique to anywhere that is real and so it's sort of something that anyone can get on board with exactly yeah and like you're saying too where you you don't have to be relating things or have to know the deep history like it's like similar to like wandavision or whatever where a lot of people are like if marvel didn't tell you about everything about marvel for the last 10 plus years you wouldn't make it past the first episode of wandavision only for the sake of if this was a new concept you'd be so confused and be like i don't know but because we're all like obsessed with marvel we're you know, like chomping at the bit to get more and find out what the hell's going on. So I feel like with this, it's like, here's a clean slate. Now we're going to fill everything in for you. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I really liked about this. And that's one of the reasons why I've been drawn more to like sci-fi and fantasy comics in the indie scene lately that are sort of set in indeterminate location number 13. Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, and, and that's the thing I find is a trick with, you know, if you're going to tell a story that's specific to your life and your style, you've got to be, you're going to have to be aware that not everybody is going to be able to relate. Mm -hmm. and, and if you do, you have to have a hell of a lot of heart that goes in it to make it worthwhile. Because if it's just hyper-specific local information and it's boring then that's like two polarizing things you know yeah exactly and then that's that's one of the things like the the last couple of years i've still been reading a lot of american localized stories because at least if i haven't been able to you know, relate to a lot of those cultural experiences the story itself has just been so goddamn good yeah <laughs> that it it majorly outweighs that but if the story is just okay but is also hyper-specific about a unique experience to a city I've never been to, then it loses me. I mean, like, most Australians, I would say probably 75% of Australians have been to most of the major cities in this country. You know, the numbers might not be right there, but, like, it's not that hard to get to Sydney. It's not that hard to get to Brisbane. You know, it's a hour and a half flight from Brisbane to Sydney I think yeah 
Um, I think there's only one major city in Australia I haven't been to, and that's because it's... So Perth? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's because it's way out in the boonies, and it costs more to get to Perth than it does to go to L.A. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't remember if this is even, if this happened or not, or I'm making it up. I feel like I've driven to Perth once, <laughs> like, from somewhere, and it was, like, excruciating. Because yeah. the, the first tour we did out there, or, <clears throat> or, no, sorry, it was the second tour, whatever it was, um... I remember we showed up and there was like a literal minivan, like a small minivan <laughs> that was supposed to fit four or five of us, plus tour manager, plus merch guy, plus all of our gear. <laughs> so we were just like crammed in and we were like, oh, that's why bands fly everywhere. Yeah. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's not actually that much more expensive than driving there being that uncomfortable everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that looking at it, you probably flew into Adelaide, and then drove from there to Perth if you were going to drive from anywhere, because yeah. it's a long fucking way to Perth. Yeah, isn't it like eight to ten hours or something? Um, well, from Canberra, which is technically the capital city of Australia, it's a forty-hour mm. drive. Okay, so maybe we did fly to Perth. <laughs> um, but from. Adelaide, which is the next closest cent city center, it's not quite so bad, but it's still pretty bad. Because Perth is way over on the far coast of Western Australia, which is one of the largest states, and is mostly desert. Mm. Yeah, which is so bizarre. Like, that, yeah. that was such a eye-opening thing for me when I was like, the population of all of Australia is not much <laughs> and it's like literally just like coast you know which yeah. is similar like you know a strange way to the u.s but the but there there are a lot of people in the center like the the middle of the u.s but it's so desolate yeah and not as brutal desolate as you know australia is yeah no but it, it's got it's it's got its things you got a, you got plenty of desert yourself but yeah 28 yeah. <laughs> hours from adelaide to perth Okay, yeah. I, I genuinely don't remember if that happened or not now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably but just I mean, making it up for my PTSD brain. <laughs> if it did, that's a long-ass drive, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my, my bones think it happened, but my brain doesn't know, because, you know. Yeah. No, I get nothing that. Nothing matters. There's no time. <laughs> but yeah, Perth is the only place, major city, I haven't been to. and Because I was, was going to go there for an event one time. And then I also saw that um, the next week, flights to LA were discounted a little bit and I looked and it was actually cheaper to get a return flight to LA than it was to get flights to Perth. Yeah. <laughs> That's a an easy sell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why exactly. But that's just how it goes. So I don't know if I'm ever going to Perth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would go to LA probably 50 more times. <laughs> I I would love to go to Perth and go and meet some quokkas, but that's not going to happen anymore. Tell me more. So. What's that? Do, uh, do Tell you have, your American friend. You haven't seen quokkas? Hang on. I don't on. know what that is. Hang on. They're adorable. Unless and, they're at one of those zoos, then maybe I have. <laughs> let me just... Uh, 
get this open on the screen so everybody else can see it as well because quokkas are the best and the thing is that where they live they don't have any natural predators so they aren't scared of humans I'm so intrigued by this. Were they, are they by chance at Lone Pine? Uh, maybe. I'm not the sure. The sanctuary. That is. Because that, ooh, I like this animal. Yeah, they're, they're teeny tiny little furry guys. And they're really cute and they'll hop right up to people. Some of them just hang out outside cafes and stuff over there. Oh my God. They're so cool. Oh, there you go. Are There's... they marsupial? Yeah, they are marsupial. There you go. There's Hemsworth with a quokka. Oh. I love that so much. <laughs> How do you spell it? Q-U-O-K-K-A. Right. These, these are the things to show my wife after this call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quokkas are great. But I don't what? know if I'm ever going to get a chance to meet one. Because... Oh my god! Sorry, that last one. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that people were like, "Oh man, this east to west talk is going to be wonderful." We're like, "Hold on a second. <laughs> I got something for you." <laughs> but that's the way it goes on No Capes, you know. Like sometimes we t focus deeply on the comic, and other times the comic leads to conversations about like adjacent things to talking about comics you know like like right. the, like the thing we were just talking about with the the very specific cultural experiences that are communicated in comics um which like it's really important that all these stories get told but at the same time it's unfortunate that the united states has almost a monopoly on comics because there are so many stories from other countries that only get told from an American lens mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of publishers in other countries. Yeah, and also there is a lot of like language barrier stuff too mm. um, where if it's not translated, Americans will never read it, you know? Um, and even if it is in English, then so many other countries that do speak English could read it. Whereas if it's, you know, like, uh, my friend Sweeney just had, um, Sweeney Boo. I'm already blank. Yeah. Yeah. I had Sweeney uh, on the show last year. She's great. Yeah. She's the best. And I think like one of her comics is in France now or something like yes. that, like today. And she says she's getting like all these like new readers and reviews and stuff like that. Um, and that stuff is super exciting because like, you know, uh, especially like in Canada, there's such a blend of like. French and Canadian and English, yep. like there, there's all like, and then you go to Michigan and it's like, there's some like Polish areas and whatever. Yep. But like, when it comes to me, it's like, I I literally can only read English and yep. willingly will only do that because I'd have to have like a translator and like figure out all this other stuff. Uh, but when there are translated comics, uh, like Black Sad, I'm reading that now. Um, like, it's it's so cool seeing that perspective that i didn't fully understand before yeah um because i think it's so important that you're you're getting representation 
for and not like just characters but like for the stories themselves that's so much bigger than that yeah no exactly um but yeah unfortunately because there's not a lot of pop like big publishers with the sort of power that you know idw image even vault and aftershock have outside of the big two um outside of america so most of those stories some of them do get told but they're told from the viewpoint of an american writer writing about that country yeah exactly which is they had to ask someone <laughs> and be like does this make sense and they're like uh sure but you know even by doing that by proxy you eliminate some of the heart and the real experience of it yep and that's it like i can't name a single english like uk publisher off the top of my head um I know, like uh, i know like 2000 ad or whatever it was like the first one that comes to mind like that see i didn't uh, even know they were uk i thought they were american oh really <laughs> yeah and here in australia i can only name one publisher that like is sort of well known in the australian comics industry and that's gestalt and even then they still aren't they don't can't even rival any of the smaller publishers in america yet even though i wish they would because they put put out some really good stuff what's interesting is with digital there shouldn't be as many barriers as there are you know yeah like uh because it's the same with music like soundcloud exists that could be anywhere like mm -hmm. it's on a site cool i can read it um but like i think print is such a a barrier for a lot of people because that involves physical distribution and mm -hmm. the finances that go behind it and then you know shipping to australia yeah you know it's oh, easier boy. than that comiXology <laughs> like oh, yeah. it's already there like but do you know what so sucks I, about comiXology are there like barriers or something comiXology unlimited doesn't exist outside the u.s oh really Mm-hmm. so we still have to purchase all the individual issues which is cheaper than buying printed ones but it still ain't cheap because yeah. of the exchange rate <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, here, a single issue costs anywhere between 6 to 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, a, that's a floppy. A single floppy costs 6 to 10 bucks per floppy. And the... If I remember correctly, usually the inflation or... So, or not the inflation, but the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exchange? Like, wages or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so, like, from what I understand... Uh, it's like one to one currency wise, but in Australia you get paid twice as much, so the inflation is twice as much, right? Is that um, close to accurate? Not exactly. It's it's like one to three currency wise right now. Like oh, the, really? the US dollar is worth like it's often anywhere between one point three to one point seven AUD. Okay. Because I remember when we were there, like, so bands used to go there because they would get, quote, unquote, twice as much money, which is just their costs. And if you don't live there, then you just leave the country and you, you know, you made more than normal. But that also involves flying and doing all that other yeah. stuff and not slumming it in the van like we did for years. Um, but then the other interesting thing is, like, you'd see, like, the subway $5 foot long. And I remember that was literally $10 in Australia. Yeah. And I was like what the hell and that's how like all of us are processing it we're like our friends that live here to be teachers make twice the wage uh per year that u.s teachers would make so 
in theory, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so yeah, it, it's bizarre. And I think that's also really jarring for Americans to hear because they, they'll be like, wow, that's so much more expensive. But I think it works out in a similar-ish way, right? I'm not kind off of, yeah. base on that. Like, um, one USD is 1.3 AUD right now. I just checked it. Oh, yeah. It's $1.30 Australian to one US dollar. Yeah. So, like, if US wanted to make, to buy anything from Australia, it would only cost you 70 cents. Okay. But, so, but the $15 US minimum wage that people are trying to get is 20 bucks here. Yeah. And I don't get out of bed for less than 20 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, what, what is minimum wage? Or is there a minimum wage in Australia? There's, okay, so it's more complicated than that. There are what we call award rates. Mm -hmm. And different industries have different awards. Different age brackets have different awards. Full-time, permanent, and part-time, and casual have different rates. But casual, minimum wage for an adult... Hang on. Uh... I like that we have transcended the nerdiness of comics to the nerdiness of <laughs> adult living. <laughs> it's just kind of how it goes, to be honest, you know? Yeah, I love it. They're all... Like, does your back hurt? Yeah. It's all interconnected. You oh, know, yeah. like, you can't buy comics without having the adult job. Okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because uh, so so before you say whichever number you're looking at, um, my quick thing was, for the longest time when I was younger, I never bought comics because I was like, this is a really expensive pastime. Because if I get excited about this, I'm going to keep buying these individual issues, keep coming back every week, and then that's that much money that I don't have that I can't use on buying Taco Bell, <laughs> like yeah. one dollar burrito, you know, uh, because that's how my brain used to work. Now having like job job. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go even just buy digital stuff because I don't want to have like physical stuff. Or I'm going to buy like five trades from like TKO or someone like that, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's what's so interesting now because I was terrified of doing that. And then I fell in love with it, but now I'm in a spot to be able to fall in love with it. I just don't have as much time to read all of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's that juggling act. Exactly. No, I know exactly what you mean. And so, like, I've got so many books on my pull list at the moment that I want to read, but when am I going to find the time among, with everything else that's going on? Yeah. Um, but yeah, level one food and beverage attendant, casual, is $25 an hour. Holy shit. Okay. So that's, that, that's, that's what I was earning at my last hospitality job. And is that high end or is that like no, that's, average? That's where you start introductory is $24.80 level one which is you've okay. been there for a while is $25.50 okay that's, so that's like 20 bucks us meanwhile and so us wise i was getting like working at like coffee shops and stuff like nine bucks and then with the incentive of tips yeah. maybe being there because that, that's a very U.S. thing as well, like a tipping wage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, our minimum wage is just so out of whack anyway. It, and then no, it's insane. I've is, seen some people getting two bucks an hour over there. 
Yeah, so uh, bartenders and stuff, it's two or three bucks, but with the incentive of getting a bunch of tips. Uh, but when there are no people, that it means no tips. Mm -hmm. um, or the flip is once in a while, like you can make like a few hundred a night just from bartending. So yeah. it, it it's crazy, but the, the problem is it's the like older generation being like, oh, it's all you kids in your avocado toast. You're just wasting oh all God. your money instead of keeping it. And then meanwhile, it's like, well, you have to have three jobs to make a normal amount of money. Whereas before you kind of just like, well, I woke up, college is super cheap, went to college. Okay, cool. Now I work at this place from nine to five and I get to stop at 5 p.m. And then all of us like freelancer psychos are like, I could do more. I could do more. And then you just burn out, you know? Yep. <laughs> you ever relate to that? <laughs> uh, a little bit. But, you know, like the casual rate is that. But that also means that we could get fired at the drop of a hat. Yep. No reasoning, no nothing. Uh, but also, like, a two-bedroom apartment in a suburb just outside of the city centre is 300 bucks a week. Starting price. Damn. So, you know... I'm, I'm, I'm like, trying to do the, like, conversion math in my head. Like, it's, like, 1,200 yeah. a month... And that's like two hundred and two hundred and forty bucks a week American, I think. Yeah. And so that's the starting rent for an apartment here. That's insane. Yeah, two hundred and thirty-two like... US dollars a week. Okay. For like a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. Well, what's hilarious is like um, my friends that live in like Hollywood and surrounding areas and stuff. They're like, uh, one of my friends is like, does like Rolling Stones, uh, Rolling Stone cover photography and all this like wild stuff. And I'm like, damn, dude. And then I saw his place and I was like, oh, this is what you get with that money here. <laughs> because there are no like houses. And then uh, like after seeing all that kind of stuff, because uh, I was trying to move to like a big city and be like cool big city guy. And then they're like, or instead of that, save all that money and live in a house in the suburbs in Michigan near Flint where everything is very cheap. So that was always our thing where I'm like, we got away with so much just because it was affordable, you know? Um, but in early band days and whatever, I would take that for granted. And in my head, I'm like, well, if I just pay, if I justify just paying rent, then I'm fine. And then I forgot what uh, adult bills are like and everything else. So I'm like, Okay, I gotta readjust everything. <laughs> yep, no, exactly. Yeah, it gets... It gets really hectic. Uh, and, and that's it, like, you know, like... I think Brisbane cost of living is... Pretty comparable to... From what I remember reading, like... New York cost of living, but the Australian version? I think it's a, a little bit cheaper than New York, but, like... It's that equivalent sort of expense here. Yeah. And That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I think, uh, what was it, last couple of years ago, we got put in the five most expensive cities in the world. Really? That's insane. Or something, it was something like that. Like, our public transport, when I was working in the CBD, I was spending like 70 bucks a week on buses just to get to and from work. <laughs> but you don't have a car or whatever, right? No. 
Okay. So that I think that's what they assume is going to be the the trade-off. Yeah. Because and then we've got thing, you know, we've got registration that we've got to pay every six months, which is like six hundred bucks on a car. And then it's like ninety bucks a week in fuel, with current fuel prices. I remember. Yeah, it's a uh, not cheap there. Yeah. No, it's not great. But you know, there was um, yeah. But I, I feel like as long as you make it work and it's good and you're not like constantly overwhelmed just to exist like because that's obviously very easy to do it um, is it is you just, but you know unfortunately re relocate and change everything in your life if it doesn't no exactly and you know what's funny is we were all set we were looking at moving to melbourne last year at the start of the year we'd been planning from the end of 2019 to around March 2020, we we're going to move down to Melbourne because there's a bigger arts and gaming and freelance work opportunities down there. Yeah. And then 2020 happened. Yep. <laughs> and then during 2020, Melbourne decided to be the worst city in the country for managing everything that's happened in 2020. And we're like, okay, oh, no. well, we're staying here then. So I wonder... So, like as far as like safety and stuff are they just like reckless is that what's going on the yeah the people are the government's been trying to keep it under wraps but the people mm -hmm. have just been you know they were the, like if if you ever read in the news about an anti-mask ra uh, rally and protest and stuff it happened in melbourne all of that and sort of stuff all happened in, <laughs> yeah all that stuff happened in melbourne all the major politicians who are like Trump supporters and stuff are in Melbourne. That's great. Cause like, to me, like that, like that became like my favorite city in Australia. Cause it was just like the me central, like vegan restaurants every five feet and like arts and culture and all that. So I would have never guessed that was part of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and when that's it, like Melbourne as a city is a great city. I loved it there. I went there in 2019 for the first time for PAX, and I had a great time. Um, but just everything that happened last year is just like, oh, we ain't going there until you get everything sorted out. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, I love this, though, uh, by the way. Like, you know, getting back to the actual comic for a little bit, because I know you've got to dip out soon. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> here where we finally meet Death, and I don't think we even know his death yet, but he's got his two offsiders and, you know, he's white from head to toe. You know, he's completely chalk white. His clothes, his skin, his hair, his teeth, his eyes, everything. Not subtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing, like, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, this this has changed three major times because it's like that weird like the origin and then it's like historical stuff and then out of nowhere it's like oh badass bizarre western yeah <laughs> slash horror i don't know <laughs> right and then we get some of the, these flashbacks that that death is having and yeah that's there it is this is one of the things I wanted to show the stream before we finished up. Is the guy with the weird little eye demon. 
I love it so much. That's like the fact that the eye is talking is one of the coolest things. <laughs> right. And like the eye knows who he is. The I think the next page is, or, or sorry, it's the page after this is like one of my favorites too. Yep. And look at, look at the lines, like the, the line work in this book is fabulous. Yeah. It, it's, it reminds me of Preacher a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see what like, you mean. Less. Like the intensity of people, like their faces and all that. Yeah. Less extreme, but the, the yeah. intensity and everything is there. And I love this thing, by the way. He doesn't have a motorbike or anything like that. He's got a robot bug. <laughs> like, a... oh, can you go back? Sorry, can you go back to the one page? This one. The very uh, when they're in the bar still. So, the very bottom panel is so funny. <laughs> Because it's like zoomed in on this guy and then you realize that she's been waiting there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like the the comedy in really intense, awful things and you're like, you're a bad person. But that's a really funny scene. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I, I love that sort of thing. I love artists and creators that don't take themselves too seriously even when they're doing something serious. You know, like... Sometimes the the comedy drives home the severity of what's actually happening. Oh yeah, and it adds, like I love when it there's like conversational language and people are acting like people, mm. and it's not some weird like emotion. Like everyone is the same emotionless badass, and they all right. just beat. No, it's like there's real stakes because you feel for these people because there's emotions in it. Yeah. No. Exactly. And yeah, the the creature design and the tech design in this book, in this whole world, is incredible. Um, these the three horsemen here coming back as little kids is is a really interesting take. They they're still badass, and they will still they can still kill everything in their path. But also, they're still kids. Like they're immortals, but they're still behaving like petulant children. Yeah, which makes it ten times funnier. And you see them, like, you're like, oh, they're in, like, a a dump or something. And then you're like, no, they're just standing on bodies. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's just, a, just all bodies. Yeah, it's just a pile of people they killed. <laughs> and then later, when they, they do sort of grow up a bit and they find a, their more established form as horsemen... They look yeah. terrifying. And that's like a, from the writer's perspective too, building up, it's a very brave move to go back in time far enough to have to build up all that history, knowing that the reader is going to be having a totally different experience in issue two, you know? Yeah. Right? But here as well, you know, like death just strolls into the president's office here <laughs> just just walks in oh thank you for following a new person in the chat just in time we just Woo! we have talked about everything today it's actually been really good <laughs> like i that's the one thing i do love about the casual setting of this is that like we don't have to just 
analyze the comic the whole time and the types of comics that we talk about bring up very real discussions about other things in the world and that's one of the things i find so goddamn cool about comics you know they're not just stories and pictures on the page you know they are expressions of people's experiences and people's impressions of the world around them you know like i don't know hickman personally but there's a reason he wrote this book you know like anyone outside of america has been watching what's been going on in america for the last 10 years going jesus christ what is going to happen then, at any given I, moment? And then he's like, I'll answer. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, here's what could happen to America. Here is, like, an actual fictional expression of what I'm sure you're all expecting to happen if people don't calm down. And the what I love in the next few scenes here, too, is the fact that a, it's like, oh man, he's there with the president. And then very quickly you realize how little importance the president actually has in the bigger scheme of the world. Yeah. Because they're just like, and we're going to start murdering everybody. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, so he didn't even matter. This is just the intro to all of the other things that are just about to happen. Yeah. This is, this is still just the set dressing. This is the scene setting. <laughs> You know, and here it is like here we get the actual reveal that this is death. This is the pale white rider. It, like, no joke. Like this is a literal expression of that of him as this chalk white, otherworldly cowboy. And you're not like, oh, he lives from Michigan, or he's from Michigan. <laughs> like, no, that's actually death. <laughs> And then, bam, here we get to see the rest of this city, you know, this this is the affluence of this nation. Compared to the little taverns and things that they were walking through in the rural areas. And now the the other horsemen are here and they're, they're murdering, what is this, the vice president? Mm-hmm. And just, there's another one. Head off. Gone. They don't matter. They're not the people who are actually in charge. It is funny talking about it right now because having read it, my brain didn't even go there. I was just like, oh, they're killing a bunch of people. And then I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, it's not the, the face that matters. It's everyone behind the scenes that's doing all the terrifying stuff. You yeah. know? That's like lobbyists and companies and all this other stuff where it's like, Okay, uh, <laughs> these are the, like, people come out from the shadows finally, and they're like, and we're going to take care of everyone else. Right, uh, and then here we get this scene that really introdu introduces the power of Death's offsiders as well. Like, Wolf here is just taken down an, a bison by himself, a buffalo, whatever. I don't know what ones are actually, which ones, uh, do bison still exist in America, or is it just buffalo? I think they both exist. Because I know Which that is, you know, something was in danger. Good as Americans, right? 
I just remember reading that something was in danger of extinction a while back, and I've lost track of it, and my brain can't recall that information right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm like, early for you, late for me. Yeah. Both don't know enough about America. <laughs> right. Either way, it's a big freaking cow. And he's yeah. just got it strung over his shoulders like it's a, a rug. You know, and we get to see more of the, the advanced tech that exists in this world. Here, the nations are meeting. And we, you know, we've got the Texans here that still look like friggin' Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, the thing for me was when I first read this book, I then pissed myself laughing because it was around the time that Texas was trying to secede. I was like, which time? <laughs> yeah, the, just just not the the one not too long ago, where they were petitioning Obama to try to secede from America, and I was like, yeah, okay, so this isn't actually that far fetched. Yeah, it's a uh, funny and dark, and then you go, oh, this is too realistic. Now it hurts. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then, yeah, then we've got the Black Towers, which is the, the Texan home base. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, look at the, these dickheads draped in the Confederate flag for their uniform. And then there he is again in the office of the president. And I, I love that, like, it almost seems like it's, like, weird outer space tech, too, you know? Yeah. And you... Because there's so many different scenes, and what's really going on is the whole thing is going, hey, uh, there's a lot to unpack here, so buckle right? up. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was. Like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on for the longest time, but I needed to know, so I just kept reading. And, and that's the thing. Like, if you can pull off a book that is hard to keep track of, but not in an obtuse way... You know, like, it's not in a, this is pointless, I don't know what the hell's going on, I don't want to read this, but it's more of a, I don't have time to unpack all this, so I'm just going to keep reading and see what happens. Oh, yeah. That's, um, that's a I, fun book. What is, I hate that my brain completely zapped, I can't remember his name, um, the dude that just did Watchmen, Damon Lindelof, there we go, um, I had uh, <laughs> <laughs> pull it up on my phone to remember but uh he had this amazing thing where he was talking about lost and then he was talking about watchmen and he said what i've learned to do in my career in between those uh especially with like the leftovers and stuff is the importance of creating intrigue and not confusion mm. because you're like i want to know more about that and not i'm mad that i don't know about this exactly you know? no exactly that's that's exactly it um who is it who is it I think it's J.J. Abrams has got that whole mystery box bullshit going on in the way he directs movies. Where he just makes mysteries for the sake of making mysteries, and that's what why we ended up with some really confusing shit going on with Star Wars and sudden left turns in the last three movies. But that's a whole thing, and I don't need to get the Star Wars fandom all up in my mentions. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just, like, he does that in his movies for the sake of keeping the audience on their toes. And I... That's not a fun mystery. You keep them out of the theaters if you keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is... And the, 
Like, there's so much flying at you. You're like, what? Huh? You, Jesus, what is that? What is that? Jesus, something else is coming. And then, like, three issues later, you're like, oh, holy shit, that was all connected. Yeah. And it makes it, like, reading, like, binge reading it a lot more fun, too, because you get the payoff, you know? You don't have to wait a month. And there are some comics that, uh, like, I remember Southern Bastards, I was a huge fan of, and there was, like, a lot going on internally with the creators, so sometimes it'd be, like, seven months before the next one came out. And then you're like, wait, what what happened in the last one? And you have to, like, kind of, like, remember and then go yeah. back and read. But if people were getting into it now and have all of the or all of the you know books or whatever you could just plow through it and all of it makes sense because it was like weaved together and that's like the intention you know yeah so yeah it's a very interesting medium yeah that's kind of what i'm digging about the current run of transformers comics actually um is they do like a really good crisp clean short recap of the story so far and sort of show you the current roster of who's important in the story. It's like yeah. it's like not just who's an Autobot and who's a Decepticon, because they ch the faces that they show each episode change. It's like who's important to the story right now. And it's just a really neat yeah. touch. It's one page, just like a paragraph of catch up, and then the key characters show up. You're like, okay, so I pay attention to these guys as I get back into the story. And yet, like, the thing I forget about is comics weren't essentially made to be sequential. It was initially, like, one-off stories. So you go to the, like, supermarket or whatever, and you grab a comic, and you want to read your 20-page adventure of whoever. Yeah. And um, then... Yeah. So then it's morphed into, like, okay, well... You better be in it. Because I remember when I was getting into, like, like heavy into comics again, it was, like, 2014 or 2015, like, because I was just music guy for the longest time, mm. and I didn't really, like, dip my toes other than, you know, like, movies or TV or whatever. Um, and I remember going to the comic shop and being like, what the hell do I do? Like, because, oh, this is on issue 13, and I'm like, I guess I the cover's cool, I'll start. And people are like, no, 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 don't start with that. You're going to want to start here. I'm like how do I catch up? This sucks. Right. So like the, the few people that I did catch up with were like Tom King, Jeff Lemire. And like, I'm glad I picked what I did. Cause they were great. Like Ed Brubaker, like you get these doses of people and then you kind of like develop your taste after that because yeah. you have to have a friend loan you stuff to read stuff to catch up or do Marvel unlimited or do comiXology or whatever you know yeah there, there's a lot of homework to do before you can even buy new comics no exactly but that's if one you of the... do, right. yeah that's one of the reasons why i haven't been reading x-men for like seven years because suddenly there's yeah. been so many freaking crossovers and like 10 different x-books happening kind of at the same time but also in different time periods yeah <laughs> And then, like, suddenly Krakoa is its own nation, and Professor X is back from the dead, and he's got this weird helmet thing going on, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I love the X-Men, but I don't even know where to start to get caught up on this. Yeah, it's And, I, like, I got the first Hickman return to X-Men, and then finally I was like, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's all a lot of chaos, but 
that's why I like to read these books that are self-contained. You know, they've got a start and an end point in goal. And um, it's one of the reasons I love chatting about these books with everyone on the show. Uh, so for anyone that has just joined us and hasn't already found your links, where can people find you online? Uh, the place where I spend most of my time uh, is Twitter. <laughs> so it's at John O'Diener, J-O-N-O-D-I-E-N-E-R. Um, I often explain it as it's like Bono and Wiener, and then you just change <laughs> through the letters and you'll figure it out. That's been landing well. I'm loving it. Um, you're like, it's like, oh, you too? Yeah, Bono's a Wiener. And they're like, oh, I can spell it now. Um, then uh, oh. johnodiener.com is like the house for all of my stuff. Yeah. Um, so like comics, freelance writing, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm also on Instagram, same name. So yeah, John O'Diener, wherever you'll figure it out. Excellent. Uh, and then uh, what just came out, the thing to plug, uh, maybe someday just came out on A Wave Blue World. Um, and I'm super happy with that. It's a really cool anthology. Um, and I have a story in there called Support Animals. And Sebastian Perez, Max Struble, and Jim Campbell crushed it on my story. It's about like it's a little short guy, but it's surrounded by a bunch of really awesome stuff. So cool. if you get that a chance, right. go ahead and order. And then the inevitables is coming out physically soon. Um, so we'll, we'll know, know more by the next two weeks or so, but if <laughs> that's you, my first whole issue, which I'm stoked for. I'm stoked for that as well. And if you haven't listened to the album yet, go look up the inevitables on Spotify right now. And I will link all of that in the YouTube description as well. So thank you so much for your time today, Jono. I've had a great time chatting with you. It's been like really nice to talk about the comic, but also like I had a great time talking about all those other topics. It was really interesting sort of exchanging those ideas on the cultural importance of comics and story. And now you're going to have to write a story you're going to write a story about Brisbane <laughs> and, and I'm going to read it and it's going to be great. So that's your homework assignment. Yeah. I'm going to write a story set exclusively in hungry Jacks in the queen street mall and nobody will know what's going on. But you know what you will. And that's passion, baby. <laughs> <laughs> also. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for your time today, Jono. It's been a great chat. Uh, look forward to talking to you again. If you ever think of another book you want to talk about, hit me up and we'll try to schedule a time. Um, thank you everyone who joined. Thank you for the new follow. And uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of No Capes. I am in full ADHD brain mode, so I can't tell you who next week's guest is right now. But tune in same time, Friday, 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard, which is Brisbane time, which is like 7 p.m. Eastern Standard time. And until then, this has been No Capes. I have been Sean Sunday. This has been John O'Diener. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. It's just a reminder that this is recorded as a video talk show originally, and as always, you can check the episodes out on YouTube if you want to see the art that we've talked about in this episode. If you'd like to support the show, especially with Season 3 coming up, consider subscribing to Patreon at $5 and up, or dropping a donation over at Ko-fi. Every little bit goes to support the show and help me make more comics for you to read. So if you'd like to check those out, the links are in the description. Until next time, 
keep reading comics.